Hello and welcome listeners to another episode of Cathode Raycast, the Story Screen Presents podcast where we talk about all things television. I am your host, as always, Bernadette Gorman-White. I'm excited to talk about this show today because it was a mere one among a myriad of shows that I think our group has been watching. Uh, there's been some overlap within the managers at Story Screen, but they're, you know, some are watching other shows, some are sticking to HBO, some are sticking to Showtime, but Hulu seems pretty universal. And I watched this thinking that I wouldn't get a chance to talk about it. So I'm glad that it kind of just, the stars aligned and here we are. And I am joined by a very lovely guest today, Robbie Anderson. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? It's good. How are you, Burn? Good, good, good. All right. I think it's going to be a fun chat because recently uh, we talked about the movie Men, which yes. also holds a lot of religious connotations, uh, depending on how you look at it. And so I feel like we've been doing a lot of religion talk lately, but I, I kind of like when my television shows or my movies get a little religion-y because I think that's just like an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, especially with most of our generation is very like halved, like some people grew up in the church, some people still stick to it. Um, some people grew up in the church and don't go anymore, but I think we're the first generation really that, you know, obviously has kind of strayed from the church. So I always find it interesting talking to people to figure out like what their relationship is to religion and by nature of the way television and movies work, what their relationship is to those products that decide to tackle religion. I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, listeners, if this is your first time to Cathode Raycast, uh, we don't really have a spoiler-free section. So we are going to be discussing Under the Banner of Heaven, which is an FX show that also aired on Hulu. Um, we're going to be diving pretty much right on in to everything the show has to offer. Uh, this isn't a guided conversation, so we're probably just going to bounce all around. But just be warned, if you haven't watched the show yet, we're going to be spoiling it. So <laughs> get ready. And if you haven't seen it, but you would still like to listen, obviously, we love that. Uh, go watch the show. Hopefully we can convince you to go watch it once you're done listening to this podcast. Because overall... I enjoyed it. Robbie, how did you feel? Uh, I really liked Under the Banner of Heaven. I, I think like, you know, I was watching as, as you know, I watched most things. I was watching with Claire and she was very <laughs> excited for it. And we watched the first episode and I was just like, yeah, it was like, I was like, it's cool. Like, you know, it's like heavy, um, like that like true crime kind of styled. But, uh, you know, definitely as it progressed, I was like, you know, got more and more into the mystery. And I didn't know who did it you Neither know because that information obviously is out there um so i didn't know who did it so yeah i was uh i was definitely very invested in it but yeah i really liked it i thought that it's um the way that it told like the story of like mormons like og like the, the story of mormonism mm -hmm. and then like you know intercutted with like the modern day mormons and you know i thought it just was a very like uh, efficiently made show to kind of tell such like a big story kind of through the prism of like a murder you know so I thought that was like really 
well done. I think this is like a it was a very like brilliantly like executed show. Um, and my only gripes really are uh, we'll get into maybe like more specific ones, but I do like you know getting to the end of the show and just kind of knowing like how like learning how much was different from like the actual story to the book to the show. You know, takes a little bit of like the wind out of its sails, but like you know, overall, I I really enjoyed it. Interesting, yeah. I as the host, I I didn't do a lot of research into the differences between the real life events, the book, and then mm-hmm. the show. So I'll be excited to have you educate me a little bit. Sure. Uh, the further we get on, uh, the changes that they made. Um, I think as a detective series, my main gripe with the show. But it, it had to happen this way. It, it's totally fine. Um, my main gripe is it felt like the unfolding of the mystery of what happened to Brenda and her child and what is happening within this family felt very much like a video game. Robbie, I know you play a lot more video games than I do. I play a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll see if I can explain this in a way that makes sense because it makes sense in my brain. But you know, those types of video games where you have tasks and you learn about like a part of the task and you're told by like essentially someone who is giving you this assignment and then you go out and you do the thing and then you come back and you're like, well, I did this part. And then they're like, great, you've unlocked the next bit of information. (laughs) Sure, yeah. I I felt like Andrew Garfield kept leaving and coming back to the same people who could have just been like, Yeah, dude, this is this is what happened. This is this is actually the situation. Well, I mean like I don't know, like he has to leave for like most of the episode to go back to Alan Lafferty and be like, You got any more for me? He's like, Yeah, actually I got like way more shit to say. (laughs) It's just like okay, cool. It's like just sit in the room and hammer it all out. Like get it, get the whole story. He's and not then the go most do some detective, you know, because uh, it'd be, I guess, a short show or like a really boring one. I don't know. Right. It also temporally and like the space of America. I'm like, are they time traveling? Are they like just teleporting to these different locations? I feel like they're driving all around these very yeah. wide expanses of land. And they somehow are managing to do all of this show in, like, what, the matter of days? A week? I guess I don't know like, how long the the runtime of the show, like, how long, like, the time the show takes place. I don't know. Right, right. So I but, found that, I mean, obviously they're bamboozling me because it's, t- it's a television show. And right. that's fine. It kind of adds to the mystery of it all. But, yeah, I thought that those two elements were a little silly. Yeah. But I'm still very you, invested in the show. <laughs> I really like the show and it's like it's it's the strength of its like, you know, pacing and storytelling and performances that make you not think about that stuff as much. But I do think I think we were all hanging out uh that Memorial Day weekend and it was, it was either you or D. It was just like just classic, you know, they would go to interrogate someone and be like, Okay, I'm gonna tell you more now. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> great, cool. Great. Um it, like it happens with like Alan Lafferty and it happens with um I think it's Robin as well when he's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just like, you know, they withhold information until they decide not to anymore. Right. Oh, my other gripe. <clears throat> the last one so we can get it out of the way. Um, Sweet. I'm into it. Their, their fake beards are are ter- are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they all look yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. They're all, all bad. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. I mean, obviously, these people are off 
the rails, you know, they're they're a little insane. Um, so yeah. clearly they're not gonna really care about their beards, but I know I'm a lover of beards, and you are a lover of beards, and those beards Absolutely. did look terrible. Well, because like it's just the it's like oh they all grow in this way, <laughs> like, you know. Like the thing is like it's not that they were just disheveled bearded guys. Like they all had the exact like no no beard truly looks the same as another. They don't they don't grow in the same formation. Yeah. Um. So I thought that was a little funny. Um. Uh, but you know they had to cover some wide uh time gaps and time periods, so they didn't have enough time to grow there. They're true Proper beards. beards. They're, they're beards from within. That's true. They weren't yeah. truly fundamentalists. Mm-mm. Yeah. They were in a makeup trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very clearly. Very clearly a makeup trailer. Yep. Yeah. So before uh, I pick your brain on the adaptation of it all, um, I do like that this was a show created by and written by Dustin Lance Black, who uh, won... Best Screenplay at the Oscars for Milk, which is a great, great movie. And yeah, doing some research into him because I knew that he had also written for the show Big Love, which is also about Mormons. Um, It was an HBO show. And Big Love is great. Um, I am kind of interested in the Mormon story, especially when it is a story about how to contextualize a religion that's fairly, you know, old and antiquated into a modern society. I like those types of conversations. But Dustin Lance Black grew up Mormon. And so he is the perfect person to adapt a show like this. And I'm sure he brought a certain insight that another non-LDS filmmaker uh, just wouldn't have been able to bring to the table. So I do think he's perfectly poised to be the showrunner and the creator and the writer for this show. And I think he did a good job, but I am curious how things changed. Well, I mean, you know, I, I can't, I'm not the expert on the adaptation of the stuff cause I haven't read the book, but mm-hmm. one of the things like, you know, I found out was that, you know, originally there is no like detective Jeb Pyrie is a, is a fictionalized character, mm. you know, like, so just like out the gate, it's like, it's very, it's just very okay. different. <laughs> Like, you know, there was a detective who was, you know, on the case and doing that. He asked not to be named even for the book. Um, so there's a lot of, like, you know, protections of identities and whatnot. Another one is that um, uh, the town of Rockwell is fictional. The real after curse occurred in, like, uh, American Fork, Utah. So, you know, there's just, like, a few just, like, little things to, you know, just change it and like improve the pacing. Uh, one, I think I forget exactly what happened, but like at the end of the show, like the two brothers didn't actually like strangle each other, like in the bathroom. Like they weren't like found exactly that way, but they did get into altercations, like leading up to, I think their actual prison sentence. Um, and one of them, I think, got executed. Um, oh dang! Yeah, but that wouldn't be in in the show anyway. But yeah, right. so. So yeah, there's just a few things that, and like, you know, I, I bring it up not as like, it's not even like really gripes. Like, you know, you're allowed to change things for like a fictionalized story to kind of like fit the medium better. It's just like, I just always have a tough time with like based off true story stuff. Cause I'm like, I get so hung up on like, did it actually happen this way? What did, what changed? And it's like, does it matter that I changed? I don't know. But I don't think any of that stuff changing 
really matters because um, I think like the story, like the 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 spirit of the story that Dunstan, uh, Dustin Lance Black was trying to tell is here, and like the the spirit of like you know what can we learn from this like brutal murder? I think is here. You know what I mean? Like you know, so I don't I don't think that you lose anything in the adaptation process besides like a few specific details, but. Yeah, those are those are some of the things that I found out um, just by like you know briefly looking into it. It wasn't wasn't that crazy. Nothing <laughs> egregious, I thought. You know, but. Fair. Yeah, I that makes it interesting because yeah, that kind of pulls the veil away from Andrew mm-hmm. Garfield's character Jeb Pyrie because it does make you wonder if that lead detective, the reason he kept his name, you know, off the record. I'm assuming is because he's LDS yeah, and maybe probably. he didn't want to anger his church and he didn't want to deal with the repercussions of being involved with this case. So it does kind of tear away a little bit at how strong Jeb Pyrie is in the show because yeah. I find his character very interesting and convincing. Um, he's my favorite part of the show, hands down. I think watching him struggle with his religion is the best part and really is the glue that holds the show together. Everything else is great, but I feel like you could have almost put any murder, any, you know, as long as it was a religious-based murder, Hmm. you could have almost put any religion in there, kind of like, you know, recycled out Mormonism. But really having a detective having to deal with the fact that he's being confronted with the atrocities of his religion is very interesting. Yeah, and like the setting, you know, it being such like a heavily Mormon like area, like it's the thing that like the whole town's invested in and they all are like pretty not jazzed about it. Right. And like, you know, even in his like precinct, there's like a ton of like like isn't the chief Mormon too? Like, yes. So it just makes it like I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling Dustin Lance Black does not have a ton of love for uh the Mormon religion, I would imagine. I can't imagine. Uh, can't say I do either, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it is interesting seeing Andrew Garfield's character. Like, cause I think like what, like, you know, started me finding some of this stuff out is like, you know, I asked Claire, I was like, do you know if like he is still a Mormon like that? Cause I thought that character was real. Like, do you know if he's still Mormon or not now? You know, cause the show kind of leaves it ambiguous mm-hmm. and then you find out he's not even like a real guy. But I wonder, you know, <laughs> I wonder though, like if in, in the, what I would imagine, like, you know, Detective Jeb Pyrie, like, you know, would he still follow, like, the faith of Mormonism just for the sake of, like, his family? I don't know. Because I also think the show, and not to, not to jump ahead to, you know, any other stuff you were waiting to talk about, but, like, you know, the the show deals a lot with, uh, you know, how women are positioned in this church and in this lifestyle, and he has two daughters, you know. And they really, you know, if he is this fictionalized character, they made the perfect you know, uh, kind of like anchor point for all of these different like narrative threads where it's like, you know, he's a detective who's seeking the truth, but he's a Mormon. So he's very conflicted and he has two daughters and everything he learns about this religion in like kind of like the dark corners of it spells bad news for them. So it's pretty rough. Yeah. It's pretty heartbreaking when he tells his wife, you know, I've been reading their diaries and they're already saying things about how subservient they want to be and how their only worth is to their future husband. And yeah, it's pretty depressing. It's dark. 
And it's very, very dark. Yeah. Yeah. I left the show because um, at, at the very end, well, before the very end, he has a conversation with his partner, Detective Bill, who I loved. He's great. Um, yeah. Again, like one of the better characters in the show for sure. Mm-hmm. And I love the conversation that they have where they're kind of discussing nature and the beauty of nature and just the fact that we're here on planet Earth. And I love when Bill says to him, like, well, isn't he more of a miracle if no one is above this? Like, if this just is what it is, isn't that more of a miracle? And can't you just enjoy this for for what it is? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the very end is Jeb with his mother saying, like, this is enough. Like, yeah. If this is it, this is enough. And I just think that's a very powerful message for, for any show, but especially for him to get there. So I like to think that he probably stepped away from the church, but sadly, he'd have some convincing to do to his wife because she seems pretty. She seems pretty, pretty down with Mormon <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then even his his mom, you know, I feel like, uh, which is another great kind of like, uh, like she she's a fine character, the mother, but you know another like great character position next to him where it's like you know he, and and and, and shows his like kind of uh, like he doesn't want to give her medicine and stuff like that, you know, right? Like which is very interesting. Yeah, I do think that's a powerful moral to end end the show on. It's. Um, I don't know how I feel about it, but it's very it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't really have any grand plans with this conversation, but I sure. did really love the brothers. Um, all I had great. to keep reciting in my head every single time they were all on screen. I was like, "Can I remember all of their names?" And I come from mm-hmm. a big family, but it was a lot of introductions all at once. Yeah, yeah, and they all feel very like different. I think you know Wyatt Russell's character, like he's like a bit like one note, but he's so like creepy. Yes, he's, he's always very talking good at like this. <laughs> he's always. <laughs> <laughs> I need to marry my daughters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's a bit like one note, but he's great. I think that uh, the one Lafferty brother that I think seals the show is. Uh, Billy Howells or Howley's uh, Alan Lafferty. I think he his performance is so good and complex, and I think it has to be. Uh, and we get, I think, you know, the most time with him, but I think he really is the best. And then I also really like um, Sam Worthington's performance as Ron because that also really like changes and evolves by the end of end of the show, and I think he really brings it as well. Yeah. So uh, Dustin Lance Black is an out gay man and a lot of his work deals with that and i wondered as i was watching it did you get any indication did you feel that maybe ron was struggling with his sexuality well when he kisses a guy i got the 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 implication (laughs) the sneaking suspicion (laughs) that perhaps (laughs) but it was a very unwilling uh kiss it it seemed like he Someone was seeing in him something that he had always not wanted to see in himself. Yeah. And it seemed like that was really when he started to spiral out of control. And him just wrestling with the idea of possibly being homosexual was what caused him to go so hard in the other direction for the fundamentalist side of things. I think 
I, it, you know, I, I think he, I think Ron, you know, going that direction is, you know, the, the cause of like many things. I think what's interesting is like, I saw the kiss in the hot tub with the other Mormon guy. I thought that was like, you know, it was like surprise, but then there was a willingness to do it. Like there was like, it, it almost felt like a release for him. That's how I interpreted it. But then maybe like, you know, a, a harsher, I think it's, if anything, it like opened Pandora's box where it's just like, if I can kiss another man, then I can do anything. And he proceeds to do anything he wants after that. But I also think like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, entitlement among these brothers. And I think that like the, I think that this church kind of lends itself to uh, just like pumping the male ego to to the point of of bursting at all times. Yes. Um, and I think Ron is a character that's the most pumped, and you know it, and the most in his eyes like wronged as well. Because like you know he's supposed to be. He, you think he's like the next like patriarch in line and then it goes to dan and then he like feels scorned by that so he kind of just feels like he's he's getting fucked over by his own family and then he's like searching other avenues and he's getting angry and angrier and then it gets to the point where he he finally can kind of be the head of the family by committing a level of like patricide you know and like kind of reclaiming power so i think like his his arc is almost a lot about like reclaiming power in terms of like you know the like homosexual nature of him like yeah i don't know it almost to me it almost seemed like it was like a flash in the pan and then he's just like now i'm all powerful i've kissed a man (laughs) he got the man kiss i thought there was gonna be more like about that though but it almost like kind of turns into he starts kissing everybody kind of like um uh like the robot in blade runner you know he just kind of like kisses people (laughs) but i also think it's just this thing but i also think like you know and there are characters that do that, specifically in, like, Ridley Scott movies. It's, like, these androids who... Because, like, in uh, Alien Covenant, um, the character David by uh, Michael Fassbender, like, also just, like, just kisses people randomly. And then he proceeds to do, like, something terrible. But there is something kind of similar in this show where, like, Ron Lafferty, like, like, a, like he, like, kisses. And then it kind of, it's, like, there's, like, a, it's, like, a kiss of death or, like, a, it's, like, a release. But the thing that gets released is, like, something bad, you know? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost as if he's like, I will show you one last bit of kindness. Sure. Before I go full scorched earth. Yeah, before yeah. I go insane. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what the exact, like, you know, like what the kiss really means in that way. Um, but I also thought we would see more of him, like, struggling with his homosexuality, potentially, because, like, that moment's so crazy. You're like, did he just do that? You know, right. and I think that kiss is very sexual in that moment, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, probably like really the only flash of like sexuality in this show, because while these people do have a lot of children, you don't really see a lot of true loving embraces. You do see it between Jeb and his wife a couple of times, which is very yeah, nice. You get, you, yeah, which is nice. And it's like, OK, at least they. At least they do can love fuck. each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can fuck, but they can fucking yeah, they can fuck in a loving way, not just like in a creepy got to make children way. Make children with my children way. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was also crazy like, you know, by the time you get to the end of the show, it's just like so they really did all this shit because they didn't want to pay taxes and they just wanted to fuck way more. 
That's like with the whole. It's mean, like I feel like with the whole conflict, it's about with them. Yeah, it seemed like. Which, to a certain extent, of, isn't that what we all want? Though? Yes, yes, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, but yeah, it seemed like they they were trying. They were offended, which at, at the first, at the onset, as it is with any minor complaint against the government, it's believable. You think like, yeah, you own that house. Sure. Like, I don't want to pay taxes on something I own. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, especially them as a family who seem to like pretty be self-sufficient, who are like Mm -hmm. relying on their land, relying on their farm, pretty much getting their own materials. It really does seem like they're like a well-oiled machine. And so they're not really yeah. relying on, you know, the government or their community. They are their own community um, yeah. in order to sustain life and continue in their ways. So in one regard, you know, that kind of seems like, of course, I, I get it. Like the government isn't really helping you. Why should you help the government? I get it. But yeah, then like that's like the little bit of scratching starts to start digging away deeper and deeper. And then they think, well, I have an issue with this. Now I have an issue with this other thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the show kind of also like, you know, by teaching you about Mormonism, they they kind of teach you that like the the this Mormon family, at least specifically, but maybe Mormons in general, like that seed is planted for them to have distrust of the government because of the way the government handled the Mormons when they first kind of came to be uh-huh. in the in the not so olden times and only not that long ago. Times. Yes. Yes. Um, and that kind of like, you know, shows you like wh- maybe why they were able to, I mean, the way that the, the show teaches you how this family and maybe Mormons in general, but specifically this like, you know, fundamentalist radical family, like will manipulate scriptures to just allow themselves to do whatever they want. And then sprinkle a little bit of just like, God was talking to me. Mm-hmm. God was talking. I actually, I can hear God right now. And he's telling me I need to fuck you up, so I have to fucking just do that right now. It's like, no, God's. I think I think I'm hearing God. That's why Wyatt Russell. Yes, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I I really liked uh, the Brenda. Obviously, Brenda's like the whole hinge of the show. She's the one yeah. who gets murdered grizzly um, in the beginning. Uh, just terrible, and. I liked how she would engage with the other wives of the Lafferty brothers because yes, being raised in religion, people really do think that they are hearing the word of God. And I think that's a really interesting thing to really break down and to see where that's coming from. Because if you, if you say you hear the word of God once, okay, that's interesting. But then if you continue to do it over and over again, you really start to believe it, that you are truly hearing the word of God. So while I do think the Lafferty brothers are pretty insidious and I'm not really I'm not giving them a pass, obviously, I do think if you continually tell yourself this is true and it's been true for people generations before me and we've been raised to believe that there will be another true prophet and that true prophet, because I was raised from a boy to be told that, like, our family's strong, we might have produced the next true prophet, you really start to brainwash yourself into believing, yes, it's true. So I liked when Brenda came along, who's more of a modern woman. In LDS, her father's a, you know, 
like what a pastor or he's a pastor yeah yeah, within the religion so it's not like she is outside of the religion but they're a much more modern family i liked when she was talking to dan's wife and says you know maybe you haven't been hearing the word of god in the same way you used to but there are other ways to to receive that divine intervention more more along the lines of like just saying listen to reason <laughs> like yeah. you're a woman use your brain your brain is the word of god <laughs> and if you use it logically and compassionately and you're not harming anyone like that that can also be the word of god it doesn't have to like actually be this crazy on high power communicating to you through your brain like your brain is also very powerful well yeah but these you know these men are just interpreting that very literally you know yes. like yeah it's not just like uh <clears throat> i feel like some people will see spirituality spirituality or like religion you know they'll they'll see something in their lives that's like striking and they interpret like this beautiful moment as like this is uh god speaking to me through this moment you know right uh which is like you know more power to you but like these <laughs> these guys are are doing it so literally where they're just like oh no god ah he's saying uh i need it's like more scarcely ah he's saying i need to uh kill you and never pay taxes again that's <laughs> what he's saying to me i'm hearing god and it's funny when like you know i think you have like ron and dan like both being like <laughs> Okay, well, he's talking to me too right now, so like, I just really think we got to go with what I'm what I'm hearing. <laughs> and it's it's comical, like the way that you do it. But then it's also like you know, you you see them by the end of the show, and you're like, are they are they like on drugs? Like, but I think they just, I mean, I guess they could be, but they're just like you know, like so high on their own supply of ego, you know, like they mm-hmm. just they just consider themselves so like all powerful. But then, like, you know, you, they're in, like, a seedy casino trying to, like, both marry a hooker. Like, I don't fucking know. Like, like it's like, this This is, like, what this is what God wants? Yes. Right? Okay. <laughs> this is the one true path? Yeah, it's like, all right, all I right. guess. Yeah, and, then, and like, their, their lack of, like, self-awareness, it's like, you know, if I didn't know that, like, some of this stuff is, like, more true to accuracy and, like, more true to, like, what actually happened, I, I couldn't fucking believe it. It's like, how can this lie be so perpetuated this long but i think like you know the show is also about like just how people can use religion as like a as a very powerful sauce to 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 validate a lot of decisions you can make you know Mm -hmm. or at least like the mormon religion specifically lends itself to doing that i don't know you know definitely yeah, it's it's sad. It's it's a religion that very staunchly puts women in their place. Yeah. But I, again, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but at least the women are told what their role is pretty early on and it's easy to fill. Like as long as you don't think outside of the box or you have outside influences telling you like, "Girl, you deserve a life too." But like yeah, as, if you as don't long have as no that, one's telling you the truth, right. it's very easy. To- <laughs> it's easy to do. But I feel like with, in the case of the men in the family, they don't really know their worth until their father dies, because it's very much about the patriarch, the head of the household. So while Eamon Lafferty lives, it's it's almost like all of these boys are helpless. Like, they're still just boys. They're men. They have families. They have children. Yeah. But they're really just boys waiting to see who their dad is going to appoint as the next head of the family. So I think in a lot of ways, 
all of these, you know, men are in arrested development from their childhood, even just waiting to see, you know, who is dad going to give his crown to. And so in many ways, Ron gets out, you know, and wants to live a, a little bit more of a modern lifestyle outside of the family. And so, you know, Dan is poised to take that crown because I think he's like the next eldest. But the rest of the boys, uh, you know, Robin and Jacob, all of them, they're like still kind of just children in the eyes of their family. And so they're almost reduced to more of like the women roles as well. They might be the head of their household. They might have children with their wives, but still they're also just boys. So it's it's sad because obviously Ron and Dan go off the deep end <laughs> big yeah. time, but it's yeah. like because they've been living in this pressure cooker their entire lives. And so the whole yeah. word of God off, <laughs> the whole like face off on the word of God, the antenna battle yeah. um, is ridiculous from the outside. But these poor dudes are just like struggling for just like one scrap of self-worth and they don't know what their self-worth is without that. Yeah, I mean, I think their, like, positions in the family, even, like, with, like, the women, it's, like, they they are taught to be, like, you know, they're subservient, they have their place, they need to do this, but it's always at the behest of whatever, like, the man wants. So, the minute that their husband wants something different, then their position actually must, like, change a little bit. So, it's, like, a little bit more, like, dangerously fluid in that regard, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the same can apply to, like, the the LDS men in these situations where, you know, they, but there's also, it's like, there's this like fight for power, you know, there's this like uh break the pool stick hand to people the size of it, like, all right, figure it out. You know, like it's, and I think it's because of like, you know, it's a, it's a power structure that's like based in, in uh, toxic masculinity, you know, like, mm-hmm. like how do we decide the next man is, the the head of the family what does that even fucking mean head of the family that just like all the decisions go through them because all we see the dad do before he dies is like beat the shit out of everyone and beat the shit out of a dog and just be you know insane it's like no wonder all these people are out of their goddamn minds you know mm-hmm. which makes and then, you, like, you see too. The, yeah like how he was raised probably not great yeah <laughs> <But> then <laughs> Sorry, you know you go you. back you go back that many generations it's not all that different you know that's that's pretty close to like when it all started you know that's that's the interesting thing about mormonism as well where it's like you know it's so in its infancy it is by like technical definition a cult like you know because mm-hmm. all cults are religion the only difference between like a cult and a religion is kind of like the passage of time you have to be a cult for a certain amount of time and then you kind of like qualify as a religion in that way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for, yeah, for Mormonism, it's still like such a, you know, it's a pretty, it's in its infancy in many ways still. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I can and I that. think that's also why, like, I, I think so many, I think that their like scripture and doctrine can be even more up for like interpretation because like, it's so in its infancy it's like oh well like we can we have kind of like the more modern touchstones to to joseph and all these people you know like it's not thousands of years ago it's hundreds you know it's it's it makes it i think a bit more like some of like you know the 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 government that they found tyrannical is like in power still (laughs) like you know it's it's interesting in that way yeah because 
Jeb finds, well, he's given a book from Alan, yes. um, kind of like towards the latter half of like the the series. The mystery as a whole. red book. The mystery red book. Um, but yeah, you make a good point that I feel like Mormonism or the Church of LDS, you know, they've kind of sugarcoated it a little bit for their followers just to like make it palatable and to say like well this is what the religion is now but then yes he finds this mystery red book and you know is horrified by the tenets of the religion like the you know the ground layer the ground floor of what exactly the religion was founded on and I know you and I had, like, the brief discussion of, like, well, what's in that red book? Because he's very upset yeah. by it. And we don't really find out. No. I mean, it says, like, in the trivia that the book is called Mormonism, Shadow, or Reality by Gerald and Sandra Tanner. Hmm. So it seems to be a book that's about questioning the values of it, mm. I'd imagine. Um, Got it. So a much more critical read on his own religion yeah. than what he's ever given his and religion it does before. Seem, you know, right. And it seems like, you know, if Alan Lafferty is the one that is like, you should seek out this book, then I think that the, most of the things in there are just backing up what Alan had been saying for most of the, the runtime of the show, which is like, have you ever tried to like, think about this shit? Have you ever like, have you ever like thought about this shit? And then like, you know, Jeb's like, no. And then he's like, <laughs> oh fuck. I am. And then he cries a little and he says, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about this shit. <laughs> I've been thinking about this shit. It's bad. <laughs> I don't want to think about this shit anymore. I don't want to think about this shit. <laughs> I think like, you know, on the on the bigger conversation of like religion, it's like, you know, I feel like I, I'm not, I was raised religious. I like, don't consider myself a religious person. I generally find a lot of like organized religions to be culpable and like not such great stuff. But I'm also mature enough and have my own bad religious experiences in the past enough where I can be like, there are good like churches out there. There are good communities out there. People can find a lot of good, you know, can find peace through spirituality, spirituality, spirituality. There's, you know, there are progressive churches, there are queer churches there. You know, I'm not trying to take away anyone's ability to find spirituality and peace, you know, Mm -hmm. but I also think, but I think at the end of the day, it's like Mormonism and like Mormons is like, you know, that's just like, it just seems like that's just one I can't really get behind. Like just from like a moral kind of standard, it's just like, I don't know, man, like I don't, I don't really buy this shit. Like I don't really, I don't, and like, it's just cause it's just like, you know, I don't like the way you treat the people in there. Like I just can't, I just can't get behind it. And it's kind of like, you know, one of the easier uh, religious punching bags as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, I don't know. You know, until proven otherwise, that's how I kind of feel about that. And the show just kind of goes to show you, like, even even the not so radical Mormons are not so good people because they're trying to cover it all up. You know, they're trying to like the elders in the Mormon religion are trying to like be like, hey, you should really stop this investigation. You know, you should really relax. It's like, oh, you should really, you know, if you're if you want your daughters to be in this, you should really let them, you know, it's like it's all it's just not so good. Yeah. Definitely. It, it's interesting to watch Dustin Lance Black's evolution through him, like, reckoning with his Mormon upbringing, because mm-hmm. I feel like in Big Love, which he wrote a number of episodes for, not saying that he was, you know, the, the show creator or wrote every episode, but Big Love as a whole seemed 
it's a story about a man who leaves his family, leaves like the compound essentially, and tries to live in the modern world. And by the end of the series, he's even gone so far as to like get involved in like regular politics, not just Mormon politics. Like he has run for office and he's trying to show the world that being Mormon can work in modern society. And their seemingly outlandish practices aren't that outlandish. Like, he's just, like, a man who happens to have three wives, who happens to have multiple families. <laughs> but he, like, is making it work, and he's, like, a helpful man in the community, and he's well-respected and well-liked, and he's a generally good person. So it seemed like it was more interested with saying, like, how does – being in the Church of LDS, how how can we bring that into – this modern world. Modern society. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like it's really condemning it so, so much. It's condemning the fundamentalists, his family members who still live on the compound and, you know, the people who live in that crazy community. Um, But this show seems like a pretty heavy condemnation on the Church of LDS. Yeah. It doesn't seem like Dustin Lance Black has a lot of warm and fuzzy feelings for the way he was raised. And so... This seems even behind closed doors. Like, no matter how front facing the religion can be how like nice and good behind closed doors there's just like like the like the roots are bad like you know like the tree is not so good like right that kind of seems to be at least what this shows positions like you know it's like yeah there's like the radical end of it the people who want to like not pay any taxes and have multiple wives and like the real crazy shit you hear about mormonism that exists and it's like who can get behind that not me but then it does seem like even the people who are like you have one wife we keep it pretty normal. It's still just riddled with like, you know, it's, it's misogyny, you know, it's like, it's, it's uh power structure. It's misogyny disguised as religion and power structures and doctrines. You know, it's just, it's toxic masculinity disguised as these things. Like any system that, you know, treats its men like Kings is inherently bad. <laughs> like that's just the way that it is. That's just the way that it works. And like, you know, it's, you can't, and I don't think that you can divorce Mormonism from that core idea. It seems like you know, right. it seems to be a religion that really holds men to a higher esteem, and that's just like you know, not not good. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and that men on a whim can say, "Well, I'm changing the rules. <laughs> I've altered the deal. I've heard the voice of God." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I growing up Catholic. I do recognize and can see that there are definitely some families, uh, multiple families throughout all of the different churches I've gone to, um, that do kind of devote, you know, like their entire thing to being Catholic, their entire lives. Um, So I have seen that before within the Catholic faith. I have seen plenty of other Catholics, though, myself included, you know, who just go to church and that's the thing. That's like the one hour a week. They're not at the church other days of the week, you know, like a pretty relaxed Catholic. It doesn't seem like with Mormonism, you can be a relaxed Mormon. It's like, there's you're no kind fair of all weather. In. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're there's like, in. I mean, and, and like, it, there does seem to just kind of be, I feel like the, the show makes it seem like there's like two camps. Like you're either extremist mm-hmm. or like, there's like the scene where, uh, is it, is it Brenda's father gives Alan like a piece of chocolate and he's just like, yes, don't give me that fucking, I don't want that fucking shit from me. <laughs> but, and, and like, you know, it's, it's like, uh, but like, you know, that's like, 
what the the tone that's what the fair weather version i guess looks like where it's just like we eat chocolate sometimes it's like all right <laughs> it's okay bud i got I you guess that's the that's that's cool that that's allowed but like i don't know like i, I it's it is it does seem to be a religion that's like very much like uh you know it's it's strict it's a stricter mm-hmm. religion you know and and it's small enough to where people can be held to that standard a bit easier i think yeah, well, even... Whereas, like, Christianity is pretty... It's pretty big, so, like, you know, I think people can exist in it and have, like, more malleable beliefs in it and can kind of, like, cherry-pick what they want from yeah, it. Yeah, fluctuate I, a I little bit. Like, yeah, because it is, like, pretty massive, you know? That's true. Yeah, I definitely think Brenda's dad is still pretty bought in. I, I just... I grew up with some people who, like, being Catholic was their thing. And I feel like being yeah. Mormon, if you're Mormon, being Mormon is your thing. I think it has to be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but growing up, too, there was this one priest, because in the Catholic faith, because there are not as many priests as there used to be, a lot of archdioceses will have priests stay at a church for a certain amount of years, and then they'll usually get relocated to a different church. Um, so, I mean, I saw multiple priests uh through my church and there's this one priest who came and it was probably when I was like in junior high or late middle school and then high school and he came from a different parish and other families came from this other parish to our parish because of this priest and it really seemed very culty and that was like my one experience being catholic where these different groups of families all of the children were homeschooled. All of the women were like very much like we only have women roles. Um, I think all of them were stay-at-home moms. They yeah. were at the church like once a week for like all of their children getting together and like studying the Bible with like Bible study. Um, mm-hmm. It was weird. It was weird to see all of these families who seemed, you know, like the girls wore long skirts it was bizarre because growing up Catholic, I had never seen essentially like fundamentalist Catholics come into right. the church. And I'll never forget that the priest shook my younger sister, Mary Colleen. He shook her hand and she went to shake his hand and gave him like a handshake. And he was like, oh, no, women shake hands like this. More of like just fingers down. Very Ooh. dainty. <laughs> and then Who wants to shake hands like that. Come on. <laughs> And that, too, became the time when, like, women were no longer to be servers or, you know, altar boys. Like, he only had boys serving at the altar with him. Mm. Um, It was just a weird experience. So I can't say that, you know, all Christian religions stray from that. I do think even in the Catholic faith, I have personally witnessed some, like, kind of weird fundamentalist stuff and it was yeah. not fun to be going to that church during that time because it, it did feel very backwards. Yeah. Yeah. So I think maybe this show is making a point that all religions you know, have these weird little subsects that make them mm-hmm. all terrible. I think it's like when you see like more modern interpretations of church and stuff is when it's like, you know, almost like it's like back to basics and then reinterpreted. But uh yeah, I don't know. It's, it's you know, I, I try not to speak too out of turn about it. Because, like, you know, I have a bit of a character where I, like, shit on religion <laughs> stuff and, like, whatever. And, like, I, that's, it's funny for me. But, like, yeah. And, like, you know, with not being that guy right now, it's, like, 
you know, I'd like to just have everyone be like, yeah, just do what you believe what you want, do whatever. It's just that like some of these religions are so culpable for such dastardly shit. And, you know, even when you look at like Catholicism and, and, you know, churches moving around priests who are pedophiles, like, you know, and they just move them to different places when that happens. It's just like, that's like a, that is an, the head of that church, the head of like the biggest, you know, form of government for that religion is, is moving around pedophiles I can't like, you know, I can't really like stand by it, but yeah, for sure. You know, I know, I know that there are churches out there where, you know, that's not an issue. And, you know, I know that they're really like, I had a friend who was like a, I think it was like universal Unitarian mm-hmm. and they were like, you, they're like you, you ministers and like, they're very cool and all stuff. They're like hippies, you know, and then the stuff they <laughs> talked about were very, it was like very chill. And I was just like, all right, like, I know it's so like, you know, I know it's out there. I know that stuff is out there. And like, again, like, I don't want to, you know, life is scary and dying is scary and yes. all the things in between are scary. So for people to find peace in whatever way they can do that, I, I want that for them. But, you know, it is hard, you know, just knowing that all these faith structures have like pretty dark, corners you know even if it, even when it seems very peaceful right and it's just like you know it's hard it's hard for me to to wrap my head around but you know i have the the leisure at least to be like well it's not really what i would you know choose to believe in either way so i don't i don't need to be involved in it but yeah watching shows like this is just kind of like you know it definitely reinforces those negative personal biases <laughs> on religion you're like yeah, it seems bad i don't know <laughs> yeah definitely I mean, I think religion for the rest of time, unless it is like a new religion, but hardly any religions can be new, considering, yeah. right, <laughs> considering just like what they mean for people and the, the roles people decide to play in life. But yeah, it does yeah. kind of seem like religion for the rest of time is just going to be trying to reconcile with the fact that people and the world and sensibilities are moving forward. And how can you you know, reconcile your religion within those modern worlds. I think every single religion is just trying to keep up, or at least the ones that, you know, have come from before. I think, like, the Unitarian Universal religions are very new and fresh and interesting and kind of approach the world in a new and modern way without all of the baggage of, you know, the the centuries or, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years of what they're they're dealing with. So, yeah. I mean... I, you know, I think that um, you're going – I think that's just going to be the, the what's going to happen forever though is where you have people who are really, you know, fundamentalist and where like, you know, they interpret original documents and scriptures as like, you know, you look at the constitution and stuff like that. You have people Oof. being like, yeah. look, this has this to be exactly the way it was. Why would we modernize it in our modern society? It's like, I don't know. They didn't have fucking Twitter back then. <laughs> yeah. Just that. I don't like they didn't have mass shootings like this. I don't know. Maybe we need to look at it again. Right. I don't know. You know, maybe they designed it so it could change. That's the whole point of the thing. They made it so it could be different. But no, we can't do that. But then, like, you know, and then you look at I think I think religion's an interesting one because, you know, it especially Catholicism where it's like there's a text that has to be literally translated mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different translations of it. Yes. <laughs> and like, you know, there's like the King James translation. There's like the, you know, when I 
studied, uh, I took a literary analysis of the Bible class and we studied the direct Hebrew translation. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like no funny business, you know, but you compare that to like the King James translation and you're like, oh, that's funny business right there. <laughs> you <laughs> they know, did so weird with this. They did some weird shit with this one, you know, and it's, it's, it's different books at that point. Absolutely. And then it's like, you know, different books that then get interpreted differently. And uh, yeah, it's, then it gets, it's like muddy waters at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've we've talked a lot about religion. Is there anything else about the show specifically that you would like to talk about? Um, I don't think there's anything too specific. I guess like shout out again to Bill Taba. That character's really yes, cool. Yes, agreed. Um, didn't have a lot of chance to talk about him, but him kind of like, you know, bringing in his uh you know, history as a, as a native American man in this very rural area and kind of talking about, you know, I feel like they're very much like people who worship the earth in a way and like worship, like kind of the ground that they walk on. And it's like less about like the single power up high and stuff like that. And somehow like these Mormons like see that as ridiculous. <laughs> like, I think that's like very interesting, like contrast, but also just to see him kind of like interpret this world. And, and he was such a fun um, contrast to Jeb. Like they were such a good, like detective duo. Um, and then like, you know, the, the Lafferty women, uh, was it, is it Doreen and there's Matilda and there's Diana, Diana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Brenda, obviously they were all, I thought like really good. Um, and I just want what's best for the real life counterparts as well. <laughs> I know when um, Brenda first came to that party and <clears throat> I think Diana says to her, I can't remember. Someone says like, Oh yeah. Like, you're going to be the pretty one of the group. I'm looking around. I'm like, all of you ladies are great. I don't know what yeah, you're talking about. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, I really like Daisy Edgar Jones. We got to chat about yeah. her and Fresh. She was great in this. But she all those great. ladies are great. They're all they're all really good. And um, and yeah, and then I really like I, I really think the the performances in this show like really are like really, really, really stellar. I thought were really good. And then you know, we didn't talk too much about like the um kind of like the the more like the the flashbacks to like not even flashbacks, but like, you know, seeing like the Mormon religion proper kind of like evolve and stuff. I just thought was like such a like stroke of brilliance for this show because it felt very like informative and to see like you know the narrative parallels that happen but then also see how like things get interpreted and kind of like you know it gives like a reason why these men are doing these things that are dastardly but it doesn't make you like forgive it It just kind of makes you understand it you're like okay i could see why you know you can see like the 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 toxicity evolve in that way and i thought that was just like really like interesting and cool to see yeah, it was one of those instances where I didn't mind seeing the the filmmaker or the television maker in this instance kind of be a part of the show. Because it was cool to see both Dan and Ron reassess the early tenets of their religion. So, like, you're seeing the, the beginning with Joseph Smith yeah. um, in that context, but you're also seeing it in the context of the way that Alan sees it. You're seeing it in the context of the way that Jeb is revisiting it. And you're kind of seeing it in the context of how Dustin is seeing it as well outside of the show. 
So yeah. it is a very cool way to both be, yes, as you said, informative and bring in context to what these characters are seeing, but you're kind of seeing it from all different angles. And yeah, yeah it's cool. It was neat. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, continues to be, I think, a damnation of <laughs> the religion overall. But <laughs> Yeah, and it's like the most unfiltered part of the entire show. It's like, we're yeah, just going to show just you like, this how is, it happens. This is it. Yeah, you can't really, you know... But it does, like, you know, again, like, it, it shows you, it's just like, all right, well, these this is how these people can literally, like, still have a distrust of the government, because it's just like, well, they tried to snuff out their, their like, religious beliefs, you know, they were, they were quote-unquote persecuted at a time, you know, so they have kind of, like, a chip on their shoulder about it, mm-hmm. even now. And it's, and it's crazy to see how, you know, again, when you have a religion that's so, uh, in its infancy in that way, like those transgressions really can survive a few hundred years and, and you see, you know, the, the, the bad fruit of that labor, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I thought, I, I think the show was very, I, I, as, as good as it was as like a drama, I also just thought, thought it was very like interesting and like informative, which you don't always get out of, I think shows like this. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's maybe it's just shows about religion specifically too. That yeah, even watching Big Love, I felt like I learned a lot about that faith, and I kind kind of walked away with more of an understanding. But yeah, it's yeah. fun. It's fun to be informed and educated, even if yes. it sucks. Well, you know, if you're if you're gonna talk smack about something and not like it, you should know why. <laughs> and I think that's my motto, you know, Dustin. Dustin Lance Black is kind of like, all right, you know, I do the homework. Yeah. I'll tell you why Mormonism is bad. It's like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Respect. I also love, yeah, Gil Birmingham, who played Bill. I just think it's cool. I think shows are beginning to really feature indigenous people. And we're seeing it in Reservation Dogs, which is great. Yeah. If you haven't watched that, listeners, you should check that out. Um, you're kind of seeing it in Letterkenny and Shorzy. Um which is Canadian, but still indigenous people. And then, yeah, seeing Bill as well. It's just like, it's cool seeing these strong indigenous characters who are kind of recontextualizing to a white audience, like their role in this country (laughs) and really kind of tearing the veil down, which is great because it's heavily needed. I mean, they get the short end of the stick no matter fucking what every time. Like, you know, even even like even the Mormons fucked them over. Yes. (laughs) It's just like even they did it, too. It's like, God damn it. Yeah, can't catch a break. No, it's (laughs) terrible. It's truly horrendous. It really is. Um, But yeah, I agree. It is is very cool to see um, and about time to see that happen more. Definitely. But yeah, uh, do you have anything else you would like to say, Robbie, or anything you would like to plug? I know we've kind of reached the end of this meandering chat, but it's been very enjoyable. Yeah, always. I, I, I liked what the conversation turned into. I thought I think it's a very interesting conversation about religion from two different fronts. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't have any. I don't think I have anything else to say about this show. I really enjoyed it. Um, I like to see a lot of miniseries kind of do stuff like this and i think it's i think hulu's we were talking about uh earlier before the show started but i think hulu's just doing a really good job of tv this year and movies so uh yeah very excited for whatever is next uh in terms of plugs you know if you're a cathode rate fan and you don't listen to hot takes we'd love to hear over there talk about new movies talk about what's hot in the world of cinema so please uh head over there if you are interested yeah, hot takes and Catherine Raycast are kind of like 
the mainstays at the moment and in our podcast field in our world so yeah if if you have not listened to hot takes you should what are you doing yeah Yeah, just check it out (laughs) just check it out just check it out Uh, yeah, the, the only other thing I want to plug is that at Story Screen Beacon Theater in Beacon, New York, on the second Tuesday of every month, Mike Burge and myself host, we co-host, uh, Trivia Night. So second Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. Uh, if that changes, we will let you know. Because <laughs> you never know which new hot blockbuster is going to come out that's going to beg the theater space on a Tuesday. But as for now... Yeah, it's a uh, second Tuesday of every month. But yeah, Robbie, thanks again for joining me. Of course, thank you for having me. Yes, and uh, thank you, listeners, for sticking through this conversation. Uh, look forward to the next few months of Cathode Raycast. Uh, next month, we might be chatting Miss Marvel. We might be chatting Obi Wan. We might be chatting something else. And then the following month, we're going to be chatting about RuPaul's Drag Race All Star Seven, the All Winner season. So look forward to the next few months for those two podcasts as well. But as always, thank you. And we'll catch you next time. Peace. Bye.